So who do we trust, huh? Like always, me and Dee. Welcome to Me and Thee and Three, a Starsky and Hutch fan podcast. I'm Monica. I'm Jen. I'm Rachel. And I'm Dawn. And I'm really excited to have Dawn on today. You might know her under her writing name Dawn Wind, and she has written quite a lot of stuff and quite a lot of excellent stuff. And we're very happy to have her on. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm really excited, too. So, Don, I understand that you watched Starsky and Hutch as it originally aired. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, I was a senior in high school, and I was always watching those. They were called, uh, you know, and they were pilots. We always knew they were pilots. They were the summer movie or the spring movie, whatever. And I really liked it, Starsky particularly, but I knew David Soule from uh, Here Come the Brides. However, I was going into college, and I was going to be mature and not watch new programs in the fall. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I do remember the the pilot and really liking it. And about two or three episodes in, in the fall, my friend said, Oh, aren't you watching Starsky and Hutch? You should be watching the show. And so I don't know which was the first one, but it was probably The Fix or something of that. You know, Ooh, that's certainly a good first episode. Yeah. And I began writing, oh, a year or so later. So did you watch, like, was watching Starsky and Hutch was like that a group activity with you and your friends, or did you do it mostly by yourself? Frequently, uh, this is kind of funny, my, we had, my sister and I had two friends, and we all watch it together. Starsky fans could sit on the couch, and Hutch fans had to sit on the floor. <laughs> my sister of course I made her sit on the floor and my friend the Hutch fan she couldn't see she was vain and wouldn't wear her glasses (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I can see Hutch doing that yeah but as a Hutch fan who likes to sit on the floor I I think I'd be okay with that arrangement (laughs) you do sit on the floor a lot even though there was plenty of room on the sectional and my, I, I would coerce other people into writing with me, and I forced all of them to write stories with me. And one of them continued writing for a long time after of other TV series, but I'm the only one who still does it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're really glad that you have continued. Uh, can I ask what sort of things you guys wrote? We wrote, I always have been a, a case fan, and of course I didn't know Slash at that time. Um, I I remember writing one which I turned into a story I will not name. It is online, but it is a remake of the story I wrote in 77, 76, 77. But the other one I wrote, um, if you ever see a story called Reflections of the Way Life Used to Be, Hutch is shot, and a lot of the story is a flashback to um, an earlier time, 
and um, it is a rewrite of a story that I wrote in 76. Awesome. Oh, that's great. How was it revisiting uh, something you'd written a, a while ago? Well, I'm just a better writer now. <laughs> <laughs> I can spell, for one thing. I'm extremely dyslexic, and um, I couldn't spell until I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Did you write for any other TV shows before or during that time? Oh my gosh, yes. I started writing stories when I was 14 for Alias Smith & Jones. I wrote Here Come the Brides, Bonanza, uh, Hogan's Heroes. Um, I've written ev- every TV show that might be have uh, two male characters I've written. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Did you, did you just pass these around with your friends then? Yes, I didn't know. Well, I knew Star Trek fans wrote stories because there were some published ones, but I didn't know anything about uh, cons or zines or any of that stuff and in 1980 when I was in a, you know uh, out of college um, and the first Star Trek movie came out the con was at the street from my house literally I walked and um, that was when I heard of cons but I still didn't know about zines and, and things like that not for a very very long time do you remember how you found out about zines Oh yes, my friend uh, at work. The the computers at work in '99 they went live online, you know, and so I had heard of a website for the movie called Blair Witch Project. I said, "Well, so what do you do? You know, how do you get on here?" So she showed me. She goes, "Just type into the search engine anything you're interested in." Okay, I typed in Starsky Hutch and Alison Jones, and just about fell on the floor. Wow. Literally the next week, and was writing for that girl's scenes, it was Alice and Jones, the next month. And shortly after that, I found Starsky and Hutch, you know, zines and stuff like that. So basically, you know, you found them and then you dove right in. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Literally like the next night. Yeah, like, when I first started, like, getting into fic, like, I was such a lurker. I mean, because I came into it in internet fandom, of course, because I am so young. Uh, but, yeah, I, I lurked for years before, like, I did any writing of my own. I have boxes and boxes under my bed of stories that, yeah, my friend Suzanne and I were the only ones who ever read them. <laughs> well, you know, an audience of two can be a very strong audience. Exactly. But, and I just, I dug out today the first Stacey and Hutch zine I was in, which is called Dangerous Lives, Dangerous Visions. And it was published in 02, which is actually earlier than I realized. Um, and what really shocked me when it came in the mail was Starsky is taking off his clothes and his butt is bare on the cover. <laughs> I'm a seven-year-old, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> So I take it this is a slash scene? Oh, yeah. It's the one I wrote, the bondage story. <laughs> oh, okay. Nice. nice. <laughs> yes. Flamingo, I had put that online, and I guess Flamingo must have read it, and she was so excited, I, Rosemary, her roommate, told me, Flamingo went running around the house shouting excitedly, and then emailed me and said, I have to have that in my zine. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a fantastic start to a friendship there. But I was so nervous. I I didn't know 
Well, I, at that time, did not know that it was considered verboten in Stuyvesant Hedge. <laughs> That's so strange to think of a fandom where they don't want bondage fic or, or kink fic. I guess it was a very different time. Well, Flamingo well, had been that. told by other Stuyvesant Hutch fan people in the 90s that they are completely equal and they cannot do slave dominant submissive because they're equal partners. But that's like the best. I mean, you have an, an equal relationship and then you go do kinky stuff in the bedroom. That's how it works. I agree. <laughs> but if this was 2002, I mean, fandom, uh, there were a lot of fandoms that were still having the is slash allowed argument at that point. So it, it doesn't, because 2002 was about the time that I discovered fandom proper. Um, it's it's the time that I was looking for uh, rent fan fiction uh, and clicked on a fic labeled MR and I thought that meant Mimi and Roger and it meant Mark and Roger uh, and that was how I discovered what Slash was and I was uh, I, I would have been a, a sophomore in high school so I I remember very clearly fandom in that era and I didn't see any zines at that time because I, I was young. I didn't have disposable income of my own, but I very much remember the way the fandoms I was in at the time were acting and it, it doesn't surprise me that Starsky and Hutch fandom at that time, even if it, it was such a, a long-standing fandom at that point, would have still had a lot of hang-ups. I just saw Rent literally on Tuesday. Oh, really? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm a musical fan, so awesome. Yeah, that that was my first. Technically, my first fandom was uh, was Hanson Mary Sue self insert stuff, but my first, <laughs> but but that was that was the kind of thing I just passed around with my uh, friends at home. So um, my first real online fandom was Rent, and that was a, an educational first fandom to say the least. Well, it's got a lot of kinks of its own just in the actual play. You would think, and and yet, like that fandom still had arguments about what was and wasn't permissible. Which you'd think for a play like that, it wouldn't. So fandom, fandom has always been about policing boundaries. Unfortunately, when I first came on, you know, I'm from California. I knew gay people when I was in high school, and um, Starshine Hutch was having the they're only gay for each other. And it meant that they weren't really gay. They just liked, mm -hmm. you know, they would have sex with each other, but nobody else. And, you know, uh, you know, Hutch had been married, so obviously he wasn't really gay. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm glad that I found enough fic where, where one or both of them has had other male love interests. Uh, I don't mind reading the occasional fic where they... Uh, only have each other as their only only male love interest, but if that was the only kind of fic I could read, I would be very angry. Yeah. I I have given both of them earlier relationships, but I also have written many where they finally realize each other. And, uh, you know, that doesn't, to me, take away from not being gay. It just means that they never thought about it before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as as a as a realization relationship, like yeah, and I mean it's also then they've also found their one true love on top of it, so you know. Tegan, my cat is enjoying this. She has not moved. <laughs> it's always good to have a cat friend when recording. I don't I don't know where Callie is. I was gonna ask that. 
I miss her. For those of you who don't know, I am currently in New Jersey for the summer. Uh, so for the first time, I am recording remotely from Monica and Rachel. I'm visiting my family. So, Dawn, I wanted to go back to um, BDSM and Starsky and Hutch fandom. I know you've written other fics since then, including one whopping uh, novel. Uh, do you Have you seen it much elsewhere in the fandom? Because I'm not sure that I have. No, not really. As I uh, told, uh, I think, Monica the other day, um, there was a girl named TJ, and I, w I was sort of reading her stuff. She's also, she has a story in the same zine that I did, and um, I don't know what happened to her. And another girl named Cascade Creed eventually wrote a few as well. Neither of them, their stories seemed to endure. I wrote Five Bound to the Law, and I actually meant to write a sixth, but I was writing the one you just indicated. Um, and it took eight years. And S Flamingo told me, let's edit this like as if it was a novel we were going to publish. And oh my, <laughs> she ripped it in half and shredded it and uh, made me rewrite the entire story. So um, that took a lot of time. <laughs> wow. Wow. As a fairly casual fic writer, like, don't get me wrong, I, I reread my stuff a lot and try to make it good, but once I've written something, I almost never change entire sections, so that level of editing for fan fiction impresses me so much. Oh, uh, she made me change the name of the main character, made me change the na main bad guy, actually, completely, and oh. um, I wanted a lot you think that st story is, is hardcore. I was trying to make it more. And she said she was afraid that Hutch fans would reject it if it was. Oh, my God. Wow. Um, I mean, I'm always down for the more hardcore, so I'm with you. You know, I'm on your side here. But there are a lot of fans of Hutch who I've edited and they they want a much gentler, sweeter, the shy Hutch, the stumbling Hutch, the the Hutch who stutters, and that's not my Hutch. So I, you know. Yeah, like some of my favorite um, moments for Hutch. I mean, I'm not a Hutch fan, so I'll see this to Monica in a moment. I mean, I love Hutch, but like if I have to pick, I'm I'm more of a Starsky person. But um, like my favorite moments are of Hutch are when he's really tough and angry. Monica, do you have any input on this? No, I mean, I, I do like the gentler Hutch, and I like Starsky best when he's tough and angry, so I'm not sure what that says about it, but... Well, I think they can both be both. I mean, I, I think we've talked about this before, but one of the things that's best about Starsky and Hutch is the ways in which the characters are not just archetypes, because it's so easy to write a cop show with formulaic archetypes, but Starsky and Hutch don't neatly fit into those boxes. They're both sometimes by the book and sometimes breaking the rules when they have to. They, they're they both sometimes shy and sometimes really aggressive or um, angry. So it's, it's nice that you can have... There's obviously differences between them, but they don't slot neatly into those categories, and so you have room to play and room to interpret differently, which I think is one of the, the benefits of the fandom. And and they, you know, like if 
uh, it shows uh, particularly in um, a coffin for Starsky. Starsky's going to basically try to ignore what's happening. Hutch is all like, oh my god, he's dying, you know, and so they play off each other, and then in, uh, in a pl the play, where Hutch is trying to be brave and strong, and Starsky's like intense, you know, they, they switch roles a lot. And it feels very deliberate to me. I feel like the show writers were looking to have them trade roles on a somewhat regular basis, which I think is interesting, and I like it. Mm-hmm. So basically, there's there's room for Starsky and Hutch to go both ways. I agree. Oh, definitely. They're, they're ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> I find, because I, I'm a Starsky girl, I see it in a certain way. And whether I'm writing Hutch's POV or Starsky's POV, it, uh, uh, especially in the BDSM stories, I always wanted Starsky on the bottom. But that doesn't mean... I think he's less. I just wanted him to be the submissive. Oh, exactly. Like, okay, I don't have strong top-bottom feelings for Starsky and Hutch. In other fandoms, I have very strong top-bottom feelings for certain characters. So, like, I totally understand. Yeah. I, I definitely want to hear about what Starsky and Hutch cons you've been to, how you found out about them, and what experiences you had there. Well, Flamingo always puts her zines out at con year. So when uh, this one, Dangerous Lives, came out, that we're, they were going to a con in 2002. Her, her share con is every other year. And so I was really excited, and I wished I could go, but it was not possible that year. So uh, I cultivated a friendship with a woman who lives in near, sort of near me, and, because I wanted to go to a, the con in two years and know somebody. And so, uh, literally, I cultivated her for a, you know, a, an intention. I never, we were never friends later on. But um, I went to the con. I went into my room, and I was very, very nervous. And she was like, hello, uh, you know, we're all meeting downstairs. And um, I went downstairs, and I met Flamingo, and she threw her arms around me because she was still thrilled that I'd written that story. <laughs> I remember sitting in the lobby and just like feeling, oh my, you know, all these people like Starsky and Hutch uh, in 04. And Morgan Logan was also new that year. And it was just transformative because it's a completely different. I'd been to, com uh, not Comic Con at that time, I don't think, or I'd just been to Comic Con. I forget what. Anyway, I'd been to X Files conventions and Star Trek. And there, it's a completely different thing when it's just fans. Oh, I agree. I'm really looking forward to ShareCon. You know, you're just sitting around and talking, and you know everyone there has the same, you know, maybe they don't know what OTP is, means or whatever, but they all have the same interests, and they want, we may be completely different, Republican, Democrat, you know, Catholic or whatever. They still, everybody wants to see Starsky and Hutch. Yeah. Yeah, like, having only hung out with Monica and Jen uh, in the Starsky and Hutch fandom, it's going to be super cool to see other fans. Oh, yeah. And I've been going now since 04, so I've gone, I go to a, at least one con every year, sometimes more. Um, I went to ZebraCon the last two years it was on, and that was really different, too, because ZebraCon was huge as opposed to Starsky and Hutch, which is quite small. 
So you were meeting people who had fandoms you never heard of, but you still, they, everyone was there for, you know, a shared purpose. I will tell you a story. I, you were saying what was something unusual that happened, and this might scare some people off, but <laughs> we, we are no longer in this hotel at Chercon, I will tell you that. We were sitting very late, midnight or after, watching an episode, and I don't even think we heard the shots. But it turned oh out two gangs came over and started shooting up in the parking lot. The next day, many people had already left. It was a Sunday afternoon. And so a few of us got in um, a friend's car and to go to dinner. And there was a bullet hole in her car. Oh, oh wow. my God! Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It, I don't think anyone was actually shot. But uh, a few months later, on the radio, I heard a story about how Laurel is one of the more violent cities in Maryland, and I was like, "Yeah, I knew that." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard thing to transition from. <laughs> <laughs> well, Starsky and Hutch shoot, use their guns. So, yeah. <laughs> it's it's, tr- it's thematic. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be interested in hearing a bit more about, like, I'm not sure how to phrase this question, the public reactions to Starsky and Hutch as it was airing. Like, obviously you were coming at it from a pretty fanish perspective, but I hear a lot about how people thought it was too violent. Uh, did you ever hear any of that? Oh, yes. Um, the first two seasons, they got away with a lot more of the violence. And if you pay attention, for instance, which episode is it? It's an episode in season four, and it was a beauty pageant. Not a beauty pageant, a, a, a model. It's the one where Starsky's a photographer, whichever episode. Oh, yeah. Okay, I know I know what one you mean. If you is notice, they never sh- pull, they almost don't pull their guns until the very end of the episode. And there's almost no shooting at each other. It's like a, a flat falls on someone and things like that. So they really, the, they, the, the censors and everything, really tried very, very hard to pull the level of violence down because it was considered the most violent TV show on air. And I actually wrote, it was my theme, my, my thesis for that year in college. And that was what oh, I wrote. Wow. And my teacher was like, oh, yes, I agree. And I was like, I was trying to prove the other thing that it wasn't. <laughs> oh. oh, no. For that middle of season three to season four, where they get kind of silly, some of the episodes, I thought they did a disservice. And then at the very end of season four, they got back into the rhythm. It was much more sort of intense. There, there are a few, a few standout episodes though during that time, like like um, Hutchinson for Murder One or Hutchinson Murder One is an excellent one, and that falls, falls within that range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, if uh, Starting Hutch was not allowed to show blood, so I mean, if she had actually been shot in his house, he would have had to get a new rug and a new car, uh, chairs and a new couch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's true, but also like. I mean, for me personally, because I watch so many, like, cartoon superhero shows, I, I don't even think about that, you know? <laughs> As a nurse, it bugs me. But all the medical episodes bug me, so... <laughs> oh, no! I have to hand wave away. Oh, okay, don't think about that. 
<laughs> That's my parents met when they were EMTs, and they have to ignore a lot of inaccuracies in medical TV. Somebody, I forget who, I think it was Alice Murdoch. She was also a nurse. She's a writer in the early 2000s. She said that uh, she was watching it with a doctor friend, and the doctor friend saw the beginning of Sweet Revenge and said, oh, Starsky dies, doesn't he? <laughs> she was like, no, actually, he doesn't. I, it's interesting that there are people out there just like, oh, yeah, Starsky died at the end of the show, didn't he? And that's so weird to think that people just assume that. I mean, I think a lot of people, if they weren't fans of the show at some point, honestly don't know anything beyond their cops and they have a red car with a white stripe. Right, and they think it's Deuce of Hazard. Yeah, which is the <laughs> yeah. most annoying mix-up. Yeah. I- I've had many people think that. Tell- say that to me. And I, I couldn't watch Deuce of Hazard. Well, it also, it-, it would make for a strange discussion if you were talking about shipping since, like, they were cousins? Brothers? Something like that? It's a different situation. Obviously. Jen. <laughs> You know me. I, I for a casual conversation <laughs> okay, okay, with fair, someone outside okay, of fandom. Fair. I'm not I'll saying that you can't ship it. <laughs> it would be a little strange though if one of the early giant slash ships was brothers. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying that would be unusual today because uh, you know. I do know that Simon and Simon, which came out in the '80s, now whether it was incestuous then I have seen incest stories from Simon and Simon and that would to me would be the earliest it's the mid 80s we'll we'll have to tell our friend Caroline who was our guest on the previous episode that 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 it does exist yeah I I don't I did never wrote it that way myself but I do know that it exists that's all that I care about so long as it exists (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I want to know you were talking about how you didn't much care for the silly episodes so what's your favorite episode on the other end of it on Hurt Comfort I cannot decide between a shootout and a coffin for Starsky oh those are both really good oh yeah and if you're just talking about intense I vacillate between Deck Watch and um, the one with the Starsky's family old family friends Man Child in the Streets Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Dandruff and Hugging Turkey, I do not watch. <laughs> Dandruff well, is a trip. I will watch them by myself. <laughs> That's all right. I will just, I will enjoy them solo. I will, in, in, you know, I will. Yeah, I, I have to say I agree with your choices. Shootout is definitely one of my favorites. I feel like it's an almost perfect episode. I don't enjoy the opening scene where they're using intimidation to get a confession out of someone but the rest of it is basically perfect to me I don't mind the beginning, uh, I just like the the tag, but the beginning doesn't bother me Shootout was actually the first episode that Monica and Jen showed me, like that like I'd seen the pilot previously and I hadn't like gotten into the show because I thought it was really slow and it had been like five years earlier uh but shoot, yeah. So shootout was like my first proper episode, and I think it was like an excellent one to start on. Oh, definitely, yeah. But it it does it does point to the fact that's like me and a, a British series who's often called the British Starsky and Hutch the Professionals, exactly in the same way. I was introduced to it, and I, it just didn't t- grab me. And it took several years and a different episode, and I went, oh, 
you know. So yes, you have to find what what is your little uh, hook. Yeah, I, I I'm a professionals fan as well, and I started rewatching it, and I was like, how did I get through the first few episodes of these? Because they are so slow, and like Bodie and Doyle are barely in it, but I I did, and I fell in love with the show at some point, so. But yeah. That's my problem with that show is there's too much of the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I came up with an interesting uh, situation where someone I don't know very well asked for episode recommendations to get into the show. So I was trying to pick uh, like four very different episodes. So if she watched those four, she'd find something she liked. So I ended up going with uh, Death Ride, Survival... Death in a Different Place and Deck Watch. And I felt that that had a, a big variety of stuff. And they all begin with D, almost. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I should have picked a switched out survival for something else. Dandruff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. You never know. Exactly. There's probably someone out there who was like, I never cared about Starsky and Hutch, but then I saw Dandruff. <laughs> Um, survival is definitely has that sort of almost perfect, uh, you know, because there's Hutch in particular is in that very contained place, you know. Yes, I love that one. I love the I. What really I love about that one is you know the the, the old guy. Like if if Hutch didn't have the old guy to like try to like convince to help him, I don't think it would work as well. Right. Like. It's, I don't know what about it exactly, and I don't know where I'm going with this anymore, but I was like, you know, I'm just always, I just always think about that veteran whenever I think about that episode. Well, I love the scene where Starsky talks to him, and you can see Starsky's military training. He straightens, he puts his hands in uh, parade rest, it's, he's deferential to someone. Actually, I think they're both, sar- they would have both been sergeants, so, uh, you know, but Starsky recognizes an authority in the military. Yeah. yeah, that scene has so much going on beneath the surface. It really is great writing. Mm-hmm. And I think that the de- as a plot device, that character works really well because you, you've got a situation where Hutch is isolated. So your choices are have him not talk at all, which just means a lot of shots of him looking sad and in pain under a car, which would be very boring. Um, have him talk to himself, which would also get old pretty quickly and would just be a lot of moans of pain unless it were totally unrealistic. And Or, or like having him hallucinate someone. So you've got to have a real person there, but then if you've got a real person there, all of a sudden there's no stakes because like most reasonable you know, people in their right mind are going to try to get help for somebody in that situation. And so creating uh, someone for him to interact with who had a, a good reason without being a terrible person for not going for help is, is just sort of a brilliant uh, storytelling choice for making that work. Yeah. I would like to offer up, though, the idea of Hutch hallucinating Starsky throughout that entire time. I I did start thinking about that, and I was like, oh, that's one of my favorite devices, damn it. Now I kind of want that. You could write that. I mean, Sonny's not there the whole time. Yeah. It's true. Oh, yeah, that'd be great missing scene fic. Just Hutch hallucinating. Oh. He can't masturbate. He's not in a position to do Priorities. Yeah. Do you have a 
fic that you're most proud of? Oh my goodness. I think I could say... I mean, every once in a while I'll read something old that I've written and I go, wow, that's pretty good. Um, I really liked a story called The Day the Universe Changed because it was quite different. At the time, it was quite different for me. And I truly felt like I channeled the story almost completely. When I finished it and edited it, there were parts I didn't recognize as having written. So it was really almost an out-of-body experience, and I really kind of enjoyed that. That sounds cool. Um, you're, you're the one who wrote the um, Minnie and who was it? Minnie and Linda Baylor. Yes, you you wrote some Femme Flesh, and then you also wrote uh, for um, the Advent Calendar, and then also um, a follow up to that. Um, that was that was really exciting because you don't see much Femme Flesh in Starsky and Hutch. I've written almost every. I've written three, and I plan at some point to write another one, but I think I'm the only one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. So that means you're the one who wrote the femme slash between Hutch's mother and Starsky's mother. Yes, mother. I did. Yes. Excellent. Oh, my God. I haven't heard about this yet. Oh, I I, I recommend it. It's a great story. I, I'm, I'm going to need to read it ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> it's called The Book of Ruth. Oh, that sounds awesome. That's like that. It's so cool that like you do write like different pairings like that, you know, like the bulk is Starsky and Hutch. But that you do go and explore these these characters and write different relationships. I just think that's so awesome. Well, otherwise it would just get boring. And uh, I, I just can't... I mean, I could write st- sweet revenge stories over and over again. But you, it, it, I used to, and particularly used to, I don't as much anymore, give myself writing exercises and, you know, do it this way this time. Do it that way this time, you know. That's awesome. And and it's it's a particular challenge of uh, a fandom with such a small core cast because, I mean, Monica and Rachel and I met through comic book fandom, um, and there you you have no shortage of characters and and ships and settings and uh, storylines to work with, and then you've got four seasons of a show with four principal cast members. It's a very different situation. So it's interesting to see. Uh, how people have managed to keep it fresh after all of these years. Yeah, I used to I used to work in a bookstore and I read a lot of Spider-Man because um, in bookstores you have to rip the co- front off the book mm-hmm. and throw the rest away. And I used to read Spider-Man all the time. And, you know, th- there there's the Spider-Man series where he's really mean and he wears black. You know, I mean, he's a totally different person. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of different... Yeah, there's... I mean... Every plot twist, every alternate universe, there's there's a lot to play with uh, in a fandom that's sprawling. So really the, the polar opposite of... I guess not the polar opposite, because I think the polar opposite would be like... I don't know. A movie? Uh, well, I was going to say a movie, but I was, I was trying to restrict it even more. I was going to say like... Um, a short uh, story. A short story, or a, sh- a short story in particular with only like two characters... Like, a, a, you know, waiting for Godot fandom um, would, would probably <laughs> have some problems. It's it's kind of a boring play in the first place. And <laughs> I love it so much! Uh, I was a theater major. We had to read it every year. I was kind of over it. I rewrote that for my script writing class. I was like, I'm going to do it for Godot. But modern, and they're gonna fall in love. Oh, there you go. I like that. Yes. 
I do feel though that Starsky and Hutch fandom and comics have a similarity in the thing we were talking about earlier, how Starsky and Hutch both have uh, personalities that that encompass everything, that they're not stereotypes. They 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 show overlapping traits. Um, yeah. I think comic books, one of the things I do fall in love with comic book characters is because they have so many writers, at least Marvel, um, a, a long-running character will have, have have had so many writers that they there's so many inconsistencies in their characterizations that they end up feeling like more real people than a lot of TV shows or movies do. Well, and this that was also interesting. It was a product of... It came out of the 60s where nothing had, every show episode was of its own. There was no referring back to, oh, we did this last week. In the 70s, they were starting to recognize that characters had a flow through their life, but nothing, it wasn't until the 80s that that was true. And um, so, you know, Starsky never mentioned his brother until he has one, and he never, you know. Mm-hmm. Hutch's wife has two different names. Or perhaps it's two different people. Yes, which I think that was one of my stories I wrote her as tw- twins. Ooh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting to think about the, the couple times that like characters do come back. Like, Kiko comes back twice, and though played by different actresses, um, there's one character that comes back a couple times, and Minnie, Minnie starts showing up again Yeah, <laughs> in season four. And then they did, they actually did Targets with a Badge, which affects what happens in Sweet Revenge. So they were getting there at the very, very end. Yeah, Yeah, it would have been interesting to see if they would have been able to continue that in season five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by the 80s, you were getting serial shows, you know, like Wise Guy and um, Hill Street Blues, which had overarching storylines. Mm-hmm. I do kind of love that Hutch has two names for his wife or two wives and that we don't really know which it is uh, because it reminds me of Sherlock Holmes fandom, uh, like the the original stories and how people will try to find ways to reconcile Watson's uh, war wounds or, or try to figure out how many wives Watson had because of <laughs> Arthur Conan Doyle's complete inability to keep track of his own stories. <laughs> That's the funniest example, because he's one dude writing all of this. He's not a writer's room, he's not decades of comics, he is one guy who can't keep basic facts about his characters straight. And in in the most recent uh, um, Sherlock Holmes book club I went to, we were talking about the five orange pips, and apparently in the first edition of that story, Watson's wife is visiting his mother, and only seven stories ago, he'd written the story where Mary is introduced, and she has no living parents. <laughs> and so then for the second edition of The Five Orange Pips, they changed that to her visiting her aunt. Well, I, I, I was a huge M.A.S.H. fan. And in the first season, Hawkeye had a mother and siblings, lots of them, of mother, father, and siblings. And in after that second season on, I think he had he's an only child and his only has a father. It'd yeah. be it'd be interesting to see all these old shows, like people writing them, like writing fic for them, and just making everyone a compulsive liar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> or like the terrible ways that the other people have been disappeared like all the fan theories about the the sister on family matters that just or the the older brother on on happy days who just vanish uh and are never spoken of again they're all down that other hallway <laughs> exactly. sorry that was a boy meets world reference <laughs> No, wasn't it? It's Happy Days where he went upstairs to go skiing, or was it a soap opera? Yeah, yeah, he like went upstairs to polish his skis or something, and then he he never came back. <laughs> that that must be a euphemism for something. <laughs> <laughs> well, Boy Meets World had a, another. They they hang, hung a lampshade on it another time where there was a, a younger sister um, who had then just been like not on the show for a while, and then she came back. Uh, like a season or two later with another actress playing her and she said I've been up in my room for a really long time (laughs) (laughs) I love it when shows do that well Elias Smith and Jones actually changed actors completely for the actor who played um, Hannibal Hayes because he killed himself and um, the fandom as a rule just completely disregards the other thing Hayes it's just like we pretend that the same actor played all the way through. That makes sense. That's smart. Is, is it? But it's is it still the same character within the show? Yes. Okay. He, he and no and no different the way. Well, of course, the other actor who played kid. Uh, there's a difference in the way they they act together because it's a different person, but it's not supposed to be. Yeah. So it's not a Due South thing where they change the actor and it's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, in Due South he actually was somebody different. Yeah, but mm-hmm, no, yeah. this is supposed to be the same person. Yeah. Okay. Like what Bewitched. Mm. Bewitched changed the same a- the actor too. The new Darren. Yeah. And I mean, soap operas have been doing this for, you know, the better part of a century at this point. With with recasting people all the time, or especially with uh, with child characters, they'll be an eight year old, and then it's summer, and all of the teenagers are home for the summer. So suddenly that character's a teen, so they could have a teen plot for the summer. Which is, you know, and in Starsky and Hutch, they uh, Paul Glazer was suing the producers. He wanted to get out of his contract, so that's why. They brought in his brother and uh, Linda Baylor, who's played by mm-hmm. Roz Kelly, because they were thinking they could bring those in. And I never could understand, at least if it was his brother, who I don't like, it would still be Starsky and Hutch. But if they used Roz, uh, Roz Kelly, it couldn't be Starsky and Hutch anymore. Yeah, Kelly and, or sorry, Baylor and Hutch doesn't have the same ring to it. And if it's still Starsky and Hutch, but with Nick, that would imply he would become a cop, and that would be a bad idea. I mean, <laughs> he could be like a, uh, I mean, more more of a CI, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like if if Starsky had died and then his brother hung around with Hutch, that would be so painful to Hutch. Like, I kind of want that story now because it would just be so. I don't. I feel like it would just be. I I don't think Hutch could actually like reconcile working with his like dead soulmate's brother. I don't know how that would work. I don't think Hutch likes Nick. So. 
Oh my god, I've read I've read a couple fic where like Nick and Hutch do not get along and in fact like Nick tries to kill Hutch. Oh no <laughs> See I was gonna suggest what if Starsky dies and Hutch and Nick wind up hooking up in the grief. <gasps> oh my god I'm into it. <laughs> I'm not saying I ship it, but I'd be up. curious. In my head canon he goes to prison. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so, what about other other head cannons? Do you have like other head cannons that are like favorites of yours, or that you use a lot, or I have. Uh, well, the sh- the book the the zine um, crab sandwiches was my head cannon for twenty over twenty years, and I wanted. To get rid of Starsky and Hutch, okay? It's done. It 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 left us. I will have to leave it. So I <coughs> wrote this in my head, uh, and this is before Slash. So Starsky got married. He had a baby. His wife, uh, light lethal weapon. His wife and baby were killed in a car accident, and he was very depressed. So Hutch is trying to be nice to him. But Starsky has a pain, they go to the doctor and they find out that he has cancer and da 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 And I wrote that in my head for 20 years. And when I discovered Slash, it was like, oh, that's why I never wrote it down. Because it needed to be a Slash story. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, that sounds like a really well-written story. I can say straight off the bat, I'm never going to read that. No, I know that. Many people won't. Yes. <laughs> it won an award. Uh, for best story a couple of years ago and I was really surprised because I just couldn't have believed that that many people had voted for it. (laughs) (laughs) It's all those out there who secretly love death fic. Secretly? (laughs) Rachel, I don't think you secretly love anything. (laughs) Okay, maybe not, but... (laughs) Side tease. (laughs) I will read Death Thick, but it has to be fairly short. Uh, so really long stories where I know that's how it's going to end. I, I I can't deal with that, no. It was funny because I posted it in two parts. I posted the first, oh, I don't know, 200 pages, and then I wrote the rest. And I can't tell you how many people would write me and say, please don't kill him! And I was like, well, he's, di- he's going to die, so I, I've already decided that. Well, at least, you know, for, for those who's who's jam it is not uh there's lots of other works including lots of other of yours works that they can they can read so i think i have 140 160 some i thought oh 139 according to uh, that's on archive of our own that's been posted to archive there's two that aren't on archive of our own and one i just is in the con zine so it's it'll be new Ooh, exciting! But the, one of the two is because I'm trying to not let anyone read it. It's the very oh. first story I ever wrote, and so it's buried deep. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I understand that. <laughs> Do you have any, uh, like, fandom wishes? Things you'd love to see in fandom or things you'd love to do in fandom? Ooh, that's interesting. Um... It's uh, this. This is not for uh, serious writing, but I did enjoy once we we did one of those uh, 
everybody pitched in and wrote about you know two or three sentences on a story and i think that's fun oh yeah round robins yes. yeah round robins and i used to a lot on when we were on lj i did a lot of 20 minute clicks and i and alphabet clicks and i found those very fun and very freeing and in a 20 minute clip, you literally sit down try not to plan and just write for 20 minutes and it's a very good exercise on how to uh, choreograph your story, beginning, middle, and end, you know? And you mm -hmm. look up and you go, oh, I got 15 minutes. Oh, I got to end the story. And I, I, that's what I do a lot to, uh, you know, I give myself writing exercises. I feel like there, were a, there was a lot more writing exercises in fandom in the LJ days. I feel like I did a lot more experimentation with my own writing when we were all on LJ. I kind of missed that. So I'm with you on that one. And alphabet stories where you pick a letter in the alphabet and write 29 lines all that begin with one letter of the alphabet. Oh, I don't think I'd ever done one of those. I've read one. I've never written one myself, but I'd, I've read one that was in Harry Potter fandom for Luna Lovegood being a lesbian, and it was amazing. So, like, those can be really awesome. Those are some nice L's, yes. Yeah. I'm going to ask the, the opposite question, um, which is, do you have any pet peeves about fandom? Um, I'm particularly curious if, if you have any pet peeves regarding how people write about California or how people write about the 70s. Uh, well, one of my main pet peeves is that I mentioned, I think, earlier that the, the stumbling, shy, uh, Hutch, unable to articulate, and I was like, if he's that shy, and he wouldn't be able to work undercover as a cop. Um, but I've read some stories that were like that. Um, uh, as to the other thing, I, I don't know. I, I, I want people to write. And I'm always trying to find ways, you know, a word. Here's a word. Everybody write a story with a word or a song. Everybody, because a lot of new writers go, oh, my God, you're so, you're, the fandom's been around so long. I will write the same thing you wrote. No, you won't. Your story mm. is your story. It may have the same sentence, one sentence, but the rest of the story is different, you know. That's really inspiring. Yeah, that's really nice. And so I, I, like she said, on LJ, I used to do that, that kind of stuff a lot. And I don't know how to do it on Facebook. You know what is, uh, with having a lot of fans in a shared space soon in, in, in a few months, you know, wouldn't be a bad idea to maybe break out some of those writing exercises in person. That could be totally fun. Yeah. It, I think it was a, a professional's uh Con, we just left a, a notebook on the table and everybody could write in a couple of sentences and did a round robin that way. Sounds fantastic. That's awesome. Uh, do you have any, uh, well, first of all, do either of you have any other questions? I was going to throw us into rec corner, but did you, did you guys have anything else to say? Well, Don, was there anything else you wanted to like sort of talk about before we sort of start wrapping up? No, I, I'm enjoying this very much, but it's like a mini con. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of this as a mini con. That's like the most flattering comment possible. <laughs> it's true. In my bedroom, I have all my little zebras and all my pictures of Stacy and Hutch. So yeah, I'm surrounded. 
<laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> All right, so then should we move into Rec Corner? Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure, and I just have one pretty quick wreck, so I'll just go ahead. Um, it's a story that was just posted, I think, uh, this past week. It's called Vendetta's Remains by Spencer5460. And Vendetta is one of my favorite episodes, uh, so I will admit I'm predisposed to loving this fic, but... Uh, even knowing that it's based on one of my favorite episodes, I really love this. Uh, it's about Ken... Ken. <laughs> wow! Sorry, I was looking at the fic. I was looking at the fic as I was talking. <laughs> Please cut that out, Rachel. You're on, no, no, we're not cutting that out. You were on a first name basis with Ken. <laughs> it's about... Hutch uh, having a even more personal relationship with Artie than is shown on the show. Um, but I, I love that because on the show, he hates Artie, uh, again, Artie Sol- Solkin, um, the villain from Vendetta. He hates him with so much passion. It's very personal, and you never really learn why it's personal. And my, yeah... Uh, my one Starsky and Hutch fic is also sort of based on that concept, but this takes it in a different direction uh, that I thought was really chilling, uh, creepy, um, dark. I just really enjoyed it. I also have uh, just a quick rec because when I was setting up my audio equipment to record this from afar, um, I wanted to check Audacity and my microphone, so I just went to the tag and clicked on the first short fic that I saw and just read it out loud into my microphone and recorded it. Um, I deleted it, so sorry, you guys aren't getting my uh, crappy amateur pod fic. Um, But it's uh, The Tribulations of a Southpaw by uh, Rosa Himmelbau, uh, or Himmelblau, sorry. Um, I know that Monica read that because I saw her kudos at the bottom. Um, It's just a cute little fic (laughs) where uh, Starsky breaks his arm and everyone says, oh, at least it's just your left arm. And he's like, no one remembers I'm a lefty. And he's very indignant about this and also sad because he broke his arm. Um, it's super cute. Um, Hutch is very patient with Starsky to an extent that um, he probably doesn't deserve. Uh, and it's uh, super adorable. So it's it's like right at the top of the tag right now. I recommend people check it out because it's a cute little story. And how about you, Don? Do you have anything to wreck? Um, unfortunately, I have not read anything recently because I'm writing uh, in another fandom. But I always will wreck anything by K. Austin Michaels, and mm-hmm. I particularly love Starsky's Girl. Mm-hmm. That's a that's an excellent one. What's that one about? Starsky and Hutch meet at, in South Carolina at this club, and um, Hutch is, I guess, vacationing there. And Starsky is to go in the morning to boot camp to go overseas. And um, they they hang out and they fall in love and they uh, have sex. And in the morning, Starsky leaves. And uh, Hutch has to deal with the fact that he has this lover. And so H- Starsky writes him letters as his, quote, girlfriend. And um, Laura McEwen did a wonderful podcast of it with music and everything. It's very nice. Well, awesome. I 
do not have any wrecks. So I think that wraps up wreck corner for the day. Are there any last final thoughts before we sign off? No, I, this has been great fun. I'm super glad you could join us. This has been a fabulous talk. I've really enjoyed chatting with you, and I really look forward to having another chance uh, at ShareCon. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. This was really awesome, and, and it was wonderful to get your perspective and, and your history. Um, we're all just super uh, interested in, in knowing more about this fandom and um, everything that's gone on for, for long before we ever got here. And obviously your contributions have been um, extensive and excellent. So thank you so much for, for being here. Thank you for inviting me. I, I'm just glad there are new fans. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. I, I know this is now prolonging the conversation instead of wrapping it up, but it is so interesting to me which fandoms stay stick around and get new fans and sort of manage to, to keep chugging along and, and which fandoms just kind of quietly disappear. Yeah, I wrote for one called The Invisible Man. I don't think it's got any people left. I remember reading fic for that uh, probably 15 years ago or so. Uh, yeah, I, I never hear anyone talk about it anymore. So when I saw you bring it up on Facebook recently, I was pretty excited. I'm very familiar with being a fandom of one. <laughs> like more popular things, Rachel. <laughs> oh, I do like the popular things too. It's just I also like the obscure things. Fair enough, fair enough. I have a British fandom that I wrote three stories that are crossovers with the professionals, but they're literally the only stories in that TV show, you know, in the show called Racing Game. I wrote them I've all. I've not heard of it. It's, it's, there's only six episodes, and that's one of the problems. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we have hit time. So thank you once again, Dawn. Um, if you'd like to find us anywhere online you can find us at our website me and the and three.com if you want to email us you can email us at me and the and three at gmail.com and on twitter we are at me the three because the ends wouldn't fit on twitter and you can find dawn's writing under dawn wind on ao3 is there anything else you'd like to plug before we sign off no thank you all right then thank you so much and thank you for listening Bye. Bye. Stars should go undercover as a stand-up comedian. <laughs>